I think mm-hmm. now in today's world, we 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 want we really need a sense of purpose. Absolutely. So I I sort of think it is uh, it has become a need. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, Night Shift Emergency Physician, Burnout Thriver, and Wellness Champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory, MD. See you there. Here. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Tribe. This is Dr. G, and we are back for another exciting episode of the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. And guess what? We have Nicholas Kemp <laughs> from Melbourne. Australia with us today. So he's going to tell us all about himself and all of the incredible things that he's up to because he gets to a lot. So let's hear it, Nick. Take it away. Well, first of all, Dr. G, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's always a joy to connect with people from different parts of the world and and talk on similar themes such as freedom and and, and fearless freedom. And that is actually a, a part of what I do, but I I guess to offer some background, my life is strongly connected to Japan and Japanese culture. And in particular, the last couple of years with COVID, uh, it presented this opportunity for me to really reconnect with Japan. I I lived in Japan for 10 years. Um, As I mentioned to you, my wife's Japanese, my my son was born in Japan. And out of COVID, I, I lost my web design and SEO business. But at that time I was pursuing this concept Ikigai and I had started a podcast and I I knew the word actually from Japan way back in 1998. I was introduced to the word very casually. And as some as maybe some of your listeners understand the concept um, as a Venn diagram and, you know, the pursuit of your one life purpose and, doing something that you love, that you're good at, that the world needs and that you can be paid for. And I sort of knew that's that's not how Japanese perceive Ikigai. So, yeah, COVID kicked off this uh, podcast and business to really look at Ikigai and go back to my connection with Japan. And for the last two years, I've been interviewing Japanese researchers and professors and, and both Japanese and non-Japanese authors. And yeah, it, it sort of changed my life. And I had to, to some degree, embrace freedom <laughs> to explore all that and sort of do what I'm doing now. Yeah. That's awesome. So you have to tell us, um, for those of the audience, which is probably most people who aren't <laughs> familiar with that term that you're using, do you mind telling us what the literal meaning is and then also you know kind of i'm assuming it's a japanese word yes or phrase right so um if you don't mind explaining that a bit i think that would be very helpful 
Sure. Okay, so the word ikigai is comprised of two compounds. So you have ikiru, which means to live, so just a basic verb, and then you have gai, which means value or worth. So a, a direct translation would be the value or the worth of living. And, yeah, it's been misunderstood in the West often as, you know, finding your dream job or your bliss. But to Japanese, it's often something quite simple or humble. It could be their hobby, their pet. Uh, for grandparents often say, you know, my children, my grandchildren are my ikigai. So that's, that's one way to understand it. But behind all that, there's a large body of growing research. And Japan had its own ikigai literature boom in the 1960s. And it's very relatable to positive psychology or uh, even ex existential positive psychology, where we often find our sense of self and our, our strongest meaning in life by overcoming some sort of challenge or bouncing back from adversity. And it's also relatable to, you know, intrinsic motivation, doing things because they are of value and there's sort of no end goal or outcome. You just do them because they feel good. And the kanji behind me is actually the kanji for feeling or emotion okay. or awareness. And that's what I really focus on. So I focus on ikigai kan, and so ikigai kan would mean ikigai feeling. So you have an experience, and then you feel from that experience that our oh, life is worth living. So that's why it sort of can encompass positive psychology and intrinsic motivation. So it's it's one of these unusual words that for Japanese it's just a normal word, and they don't really talk about it that much. But behind it. There is all this literature. And then, of course, as we do in the West, we often have this tendency to mis misunderstand words or, you know, appropriate them and sort of share an in incorrect perception of, of what it actually means. No, that's great. I, I appreciate you <laughs> breaking it down. And so, like, as you say, kanji, now I know what that is. And only reason why I know what that is is because <laughs> my daughter is taking Japanese and she thinks she's oh. Japanese. She's uh, basically okay. just adopted the whole culture and oh, nice. anime creation, all that stuff. So um, that is uh, just in case anybody was unaware. I mean, I mm. know that the listeners won't see it. Hopefully they'll go watch it on YouTube and see the actual photo that you're d describing. But can you just uh, say, just a backtrack a little bit and just say, what is sure. kanji? So people can be so aware kanji of is, that is. Uh, kanji is often described as Chinese characters. So the, the Japanese language consists of three, two syllabaries. So you have a basic, I guess what you'd call a basic alphabet is hiragana, and that's what your daughter's probably learning. Then yes. you have another one called katakana, which is often used for foreign words or it's used in manga to emphasize strong words. And then you have kanji and basically to be able to read Japanese, I think by the time someone's left high school, they've, they've learned over 2,000 individual kanji characters. And so it's sort of just the, the foundation or the, the, the building blocks of written Japanese. You have hiragana, katakana, and kanji. And of course, kanji is often expressed through the art of calligraphy, so shodo. 
and that's what we're sort of I'm referring to behind me, but that's also a beautiful art. And so there's a whole creative aspect to writing Japanese if you have the time and patience <laughs> to because, pursue something like with, that. Because with each stroke, it has to go in a certain direction and all these things. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think when you do it seriously, you're, you're, you have to clear your mind, you have to be present, and then, yeah, there's a stroke order. You have to be breathing um, almost in, in rhythm with each stroke, and it can be very dynamic. And then the, there's obviously the meaning you're trying to convey, and it takes many years to become proficient. Um, so it's something I haven't pursued personally, but it's something I do appreciate, and that's why I have these hanging scrolls in, in my room. No, that makes makes sense. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Because I think like, you know, I mean, you obviously were fully immersed in the culture. So those things are very natural for you. Um, I hear it because I mean, we live on Guam. So it's like a lot of Japanese people are here. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it's like, this okay. is, um. so we, I mean, a lot of their friends are Japanese. So, you know, it's so we are exposed to it being close proximity. But I think the majority of people who are going to be listening to the show aren't going to have that background. So that's why I asked you to talk about it a little bit more. Awesome. It's I was going to say it's it's like the curse of knowledge once you you know something and you it's your life you almost have this tendency to think oh you know everyone knows kanji or everyone knows what ikigai is but yeah thankfully i have people remind me so thank you for reminding me that's <laughs> yeah, always no worries, helpful no worries. <laughs> <laughs> no worries no that was great and then so um so tell us now um how is it that you ended up from australia in living in Japan for all those years? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, so it happened in the mid-80s. I was studying hospitality. And at that time, Australia was a very popular destination for Japanese tourists. And so I knew okay, we get a lot of tourists. And I thought, oh, I should learn Japanese. And then at the college where I was studying hospitality, a traineeship for, for Australians was up for grabs to go and spend one year in Japan, learn how to cook. And this company had this plan to open a chain of restaurants in, in Melbourne. And I thought, great, I'll apply. And I was dead set on getting that traineeship. So I did everything possible to get it. And yeah, was lucky enough to be awarded the traineeship and spent a year in Tokyo working at um, and izakaya now izakaya is kind of like a, a tapas bar or a, the equivalent of a, a pub and okay they serve alcohol uh, sort of snack type food and it's lively and energetic and the particular chain i worked for their theme was jazz music and australian wine and this izakaya style food so yeah, I was a lot younger because <laughs> that was in <laughs> 1995 and that was an amazing experience. You know, I, I grew so much from that experience. I was learning Japanese. I was uh, sort of left my, my country long-term and really embraced that experience. And then after that ended, I came back to Australia and kind of realized, you know, I really don't want to work in hospitality. It's it's long hours. It's it's not very mm. good pay. It's stressful. And I really wanted to go back to Japan. So I thought, 
I will go back. And I went to teach English like many people do. Excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> Just got something in my throat. Yeah, no And then, yeah, that's where I spent another three or four years teaching in, in Tokyo. And then by that stage, I was involved in a relationship um, uh, with this wonderful girl who became my wife. Awesome. And then we, I came back to Australia. Well, we came back to Australia and then we went back again. And for the third trip, we stayed six years. Okay. And that was a really life-changing, I guess, stay because that's when I became a father. We, we lived in a smaller town. We lived where my wife was from. I started my own school. I started learning about entrepreneurship and making my own information products. So yeah, Japan exposed me not, not only to learning a language and understanding a different culture, but I sort of found my entrepreneurial spirit in Japan. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, <laughs> so. nice. That is really cool. And then um, did you at any point have any fear that you had to face with, with any of this? Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking about this last night, thinking fear is very subjective. So for some people going to a country and leaving your home is like terrifying. And they just can't imagine doing it. And then some people think, oh, I'd love to do that. That's that's what freedom is. But there were certainly moments where I had <laughs> had to deal with a lot of fear. I, I remember because I was sort of the, the ambitious one of these four trainees, I was sort of showing off my Japanese. And the night we arrived, the, the president of this restaurant chain, and it was a very large chain of restaurants, said, Nick, tomorrow I want you to deliver a speech at our manager's meeting. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then when I found out there was like 300 managers and it was this massive event, I really thought, oh, no. So <laughs> What have I got myself into here? <laughs> yeah. So I thought, oh, no. So with me and my the guy I live with, another trainee, we went to a bar and we literally wrote this speech out using all these very polite set expressions and asking this barman for help. Oh, and I nice. think he realized we had no idea <laughs> about anything about Japan. And so I think he ripped us off. I think we paid several hundred dollars for a few drinks, Oh no! <laughs> but he did help me with this speech. And then I remember the next day, we, all four of us, the trainees, we had to get up on this stage and there was, managers and staff and I remember having a speech in my hand and I was shaking so much I had to get my friend and say can you hold this because I just couldn't hold it I was like shaking and trembling but I managed to deliver the speech and it was it's really unusual because there was all these set expressions I knew to to say and every time I, I said this set expression it might have uh, created the perception that the speech was over and I kept getting all this applause <laughs> I'd say something else and then more applause so yeah it was one of those moments where you you think you've lost about a kilo of, yes. of body weight and sweat <laughs> but it's like wow um I managed to 
deliver that speech. And then I guess, yeah, you sort of embrace fear every time you start something new that you haven't done, whether that's um, I started my first podcast in Japan, I, I started this school, I, I quit a stable job. So something I, I really like this idea of fearless freedom, because if you embrace the fear, it, it gives you freedom. And what's interesting, freedom in the context of Ikigai is, is maybe a bit different to how we perceive freedom in the West. So I think in the West, we often have this idea of freedom is doing and saying whatever you want, sort of regardless of how it impacts other people. But one of the pioneering researchers of Ikigai, this amazing woman, Mirko Kamiya, wrote this seminal book on Ikigai. And she talked about freedom as being something people run away from because often freedom involves either making sacrifices now for future freedom yes, or, and you'll understand this as a parent, we give up our own personal freedom willingly for the freedom of others. So for our children or for mm -hmm. the greater good. And so freedom is not just this sense of being free and flying like a bird or you know, expanding your chest and, and sort of reaching out with your arms when you climb a mountain, that's symbolic of the, the feeling of freedom. But real freedom is, and this is how she coined it, is freely choosing inconvenience. Wow. I so, love that. Isn't that I different? really yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah, because that's it, it. I mean, that that image just... Um, so many things are flashing through my head right now all the time. <laughs> but that really connects that, that, that idea of freedom. Yeah, that's but that's fearless freedom because yes. people do run away from these choices. They think, ah, oh, it's almost like delayed gratification. There are just some people who think, ah, oh, I can't do it. I'd rather, you know, have the satisfaction of watching TV tonight rather than working hard for yeah. something that you'll benefit from in the future. Or, yeah, we might be selfish with our decisions and, and not give freedom to someone else when perhaps it's part of our role as a parent or mm. as a partner or as a coach. Um, so this idea of fearless freedom is embracing the discomfort and fear <laughs> to have freedom in the future or, wow. or give it to other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I think I'm using that my children actually. Thank you so much for that one, Nick. <laughs> Use it. Yeah, I'm just please. saying. <laughs> Every single day. Mm. Yeah. It's oh a different perspective. Yeah. No, no, I, I love it. I love it. I love that. Mm. It's great. Hey, it's Dr. G. And I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show, 
and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. And then so, so you, I mean, it seems like you had a lot of growth happen um, during the years that you were in Japan. Um, how, I mean, so, and then you had to return to Australia. Was that just because of the pandemic or what was no, the so we, had to we return? actually returned more than 10 years ago. So, oh, I see. Okay. Gotcha. At some stage we were thinking about my son and my son was this beautiful blonde haired, half Japanese boy. And we knew, we kind of knew in Japan, as much as we loved the culture and the country, he would stand out and be different. But if he came back to Melbourne, he'd just be a normal Australian because we're such a diverse multiculture. And for me too, at the time, I, I thought, oh, I really want to go home. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about Japan is everything's different. And then yeah. the challenging thing about Japan is everything's different. So <laughs> um, you sort of long, you, you can end up longing for just, yeah, go, let's go home. Um, but now, you know, now I want to go back to Japan. So <laughs> interesting. So ha- well, I mean, I, I think your thoughts. son is older now, right? Because how yeah, old is 18, your son now? So he's eight, he's oh, 18, yeah, he's a grown yeah. up. He's just an yeah. adult. Okay. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that there's, um, in a lot of places, they, you know, if you're, if you're not like, look, if you don't look like everybody else, it gets to be a little bit more challenging for you. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it, I mean, it was one of those things. Every time I met someone new first question, Oh, where are you from? Or, you know, are you American? Or no, it just, after a while, it got so mentally taxing to, to think, oh, I've got to have this conversation again. And you you always kind of feel, you know, perhaps I'll never fully integrate um, because you are kind of the intention behind the questions, obviously, that they're getting to know you and they're wanting to right. yes, understand who you are. So the intention's questions. Good. But, yeah, you kind of think, oh, I'm having this conversation again. And that took a lot of... Um, <laughs> patience for me to sort of embrace and accept oh well, that's that's just normal um but yeah you know japan's such a unique country it's why it's so attractive but then at the same time yeah you you kind of always feel like not not an outsider but you you sort of have to recognize you'll never fully you could never really become japanese um so that's something you've got to find comfort in and, and work right, out for right. yourself when you live there long-term. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. 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 I always like hearing that perspective because like, um, you know, we have family friends who live there who obviously they look like me. So they're not <laughs> <Okay>. Japanese. <laughs> um, uh, and, but they don't, I mean, they don't have the, the, um, they don't have the the children situation, right? Okay. So like, you know, cause I know that, you know, kids can, you know, be a little, <laughs> little interesting in how they relay their feelings cause they're very uh-huh. outward with it, you know? And so that can also, you know, kind of hurt the spirit of the 
receiving individual. So, but anyway, so that's great that you were able to have that experience there and that you feel so strongly about it that you would even want to return there, which it speaks volumes, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and then it's also very awesome that you basically developed your entrepreneurial uh, pursuits and spirit there, mm. which is, which is cool because I always love to hear people talking about, you know, how they got into entrepreneurship because it's, it's, it is a pursuit of freedom, right? Yes. In the, in the <laughs> definition that you gave, right? Because it is something that definitely requires sacrifice, um, mm. inconveniences, <laughs> uh, and it is something that will also, uh, provide, you know, freedom for others because yeah, of yeah. the sacrifice and inconvenience. So that is really, really cool. Loved hearing mm. that. So now you have to tell us about what you're doing now. Like, what is it that you are up to and how can people reach out to you if, you know, they feel like what you're doing is what they want to be also be involved in? Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so one thing I, I can mention is I've just written a book. So that was, that was another almost expression of freedom. Like if I, if I write the book, you know, uh, six months or a year from now, I'll, I'll have something that might benefit me and, and might um, represent who I am and my sense of identity and all that sort of thing. So that's obviously something I'm focused on on sharing and promoting so that was a real challenge and embracing limitations and and accepting who you are and thinking if I'm going to write this book I'm going to express my true self and be comfortable with that and accept that I'm I'm not good at grammar and that's okay I can get someone to help me so that's that's a big focus of my life at the moment and then like you I have a podcast so I have a podcast where I interview researchers and professors and that's a real joy and I have um, a coaching or training business where I, I coach people on the concept of Ikigai so that they can apply it to their suite of tools or their own services and obviously I try to uh, present or offer guidance on Ikigai in the context of Japanese culture. And so what's interesting, there's all these scales and psychometric tools and studies that I refer to, to sort of back up what I'm sharing and to offer that authentic perspective. And that's why I've discovered it. It's, it's very relatable to, you know, positive psychology and touching on this amazing pioneering research, Amiko Kamiya, she found there were seven ikigai needs that we need to satisfy in order to feel ikigai. And just very briefly there, life satisfaction, change and growth, uh, a bright future, resonance, which we could understand as social affiliation, freedom, self-actualization, and meaning and value. And that just speaks to me like, Oh, that's the, the that's the top point of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or that's that's similar to the the PERMA model. Or so it's amazing. This woman in the 1960s had all this knowledge and evidence, and she was 
yeah, 40 years or almost 40 years ahead of the positive psychology movement. And so I try and bring her work. Or I do bring her work to, to the, the coaching program because it's fascinating. And she had that definition of freedom, which is quite unique. So yeah, I'm training people on that as well. So it's a real joy to, to share all this knowledge on, on this unique uh, cultural concept of Ikigai. And so if they wanted to, if someone's listening, wanted to reach out to you, how would they do that? <laughs> so they can just go to my website, ikigaitribe.com. And if they're interested in my book, I have a website for that called ikigaikan.com. Khan spelled K-A-N. Yeah. So I think you have to spell Ikigai as well. Okay. So Ikigai is I-K-I-G-A-I. Ikigai. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want people to be like, I can't find it because phonetically (laughs) I've spelt it incorrectly. Awesome. It's a a quirky, it's kind of a quirky word, I guess. Yeah. So they can find you at ikigai tribe.com. Tribe.com. Perfect. Perfect. And the book is at ikigai con. Is for the book. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, but yeah, Ikigai Tribe's my main site. So that, that okay. has pretty much everything. Awesome. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. Great. And then, um, so where are you? So the book, you got that completed recently or? Yeah. So I published it last month. So it's oh, congratulations. It's fantastic. Available on Amazon. Yeah. The, um, yeah. I'll just show you. Do you have the cover so we can see it? Yeah, I got the cover. So that's oh, oh, very nice. Yes, but love it. And that has those seven seven. needs I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. In addition, Miyako Kamiya wrote on the importance of having a sense of purpose. And I don't know why she didn't include it as a need. Maybe back in the sixties and the people they interviewed, life was different, and and maybe having a sense of purpose wasn't considered a need, but she did say that having a sense of purpose was one of the ways to feel Ikigai intensely. I think mm-hmm. now in today's world, we, we, we want, we really need a sense of purpose. Absolutely. So I've, I sort of think it is, uh, it has become a need yeah. to have a, you know, a meaningful and fulfilling life. No, absolutely. No, that's great. Mm. Love it. Thanks for sharing <laughs> that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. So here's a deal, Nick. I don't know Mm. if you're ready for this or not, but we have a tradition on our show and it's fill in the blanks. Are you ready for that? (laughs) I'm ready. I took time to think about these. So fantastic. Fantastic. All right, here we go. The first one is if I am fearless, I will. Okay. So if I'm fearless, I will do the right thing and faithfully express my values. Love it. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Love it. Love it. All right. The next one is to me, fearless freedom means. To me, fearless freedom means creating something new with my unique imagination. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and I, I want to hear what this one's going to be. My battle cry is. My battle cry is live a life worth living. <laughs> Love it. it. Live, live with zest. Oh, that's yeah. great. That is great. <laughs> that is great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day 
and spending with us here on the Fearless Freedom Tribe and for sharing about all of the wonderful things that you're <laughs> up to. I mean, you just shared so many nuggets today. Um, you've given us uh, enlightenment on the definition of freedom, which is <laughs> really awesome. We really appreciate that. Mm. At least I appreciate it. I don't know if everybody else does, but at least I do. <laughs> and um, we really, really loved talking with you and hearing your insight. So, yeah. Thank you. It was a real joy to connect with you, Dr. G. And I, who knows, I might, I might come over to Guam and we can continue the conversation. Oh, so, yeah. I would love thank that. Thank you very much. Great. <laughs> Because you're not that far away from us. <laughs> no, no. So who knows? This, yeah, this COVID's really opened up the world to possibilities. So you, you never oh, know. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> and all we would need is uh, some more flights to be direct. Because we're actually still waiting for more direct routes to get to um, New Zealand because we have family in New Zealand. And oh, okay. um, yeah. it's been a tricky, it's tricky to get there now at this juncture. But we're hoping yep. that more and more flights are going to open up because right now, in order to get there, we'd have to fly to Hawaii and then from Hawaii to Christchurch, which okay. is, you know, kind of a very roundabout way to do it yeah. when it would just be eight <laughs> hours straight, right? Like from here to there, yeah. it's eight hours. Like, why do we not just do that? Um, but not quite there yet. So I'm hoping that we'll also have more uh, direct routes to get to Australia as well, because I guess in the past that was the case. Yes. So we'll yeah. see. Hopefully things will get smoother and easier for us. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Again, I'm Dr. G. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe so that you can get notified of when the next episode is going to be. And also, I'll catch you next time. Have a great one. Be strong, be brave, and unleash your greatness.